o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. <laughs> okay, uh, welcome in, everybody. Great to have you along here on a Wednesday. You made it through the middle of the week. All downhill from here as you head towards the weekend. Thanks for being with us. Nice to have you along. Uh, we've got a lot uh, happening here today on the program. Uh, of course, it was the first uh, practice for ECU preseason camp today as the uh, Pirates got things going with the 6.15 a.m. wake-up call. Uh, they had their breakfast as a team. They went through treatments, uh, players did, and then their position meetings, 10-minute walkthrough, and then the uh, practice 110 minutes in uh, shorts and helmets. Pretty good weather for ECU today, uh, and uh, we'll have a pirate report next segment, everything that Coach Houston said, but uh, we'll start here with his opening segment, uh, or opening statement, to the uh, to the beginning of uh, the uh, press avail after the practice, and it starts, Coach Houston says, today, like Ice Cube, today was a good day. Could ask for any better weather. I told uh, some of the new guys, I said, That's, this is mid-October weather right here, I mean, this is... Certainly not typical uh, Eastern North Carolina, you know, beginning of preseason camp uh, weather. But uh, so they got they got lucky with that. But you know, exciting day. You know, every year is a new year. Every team's a new team, and uh, you know that certainly you know that certainly uh, applies to this group. And uh, you know, had some had some guys that you you hope uh, are going to look a certain way, and kind of guys that have been here, and you hope they're going to step up. And we saw some guys do that today. Um, Saw some new guys. They got to learn how we practice and kind of how we work, and that's okay. That's, that's that's what you expect. I mean, every place in the country doesn't you know doesn't doesn't do things the same way. So, uh, we had a lot of enthusiasm, of course, with uh, with the new rule that they passed last week. You had more guys out there today than you've ever had before, with 120 instead of the typical 110. So, uh, you know, some guys, you know, they'll they'll get their first reps tomorrow. They're a lot, some some of the freshmen. They're just kind of you know figuring out how we're how we're functioning today. But uh, overall, very positive first day. We are in helmets, so we all know that's not really real. But uh, a very positive first day, and uh, be good film this afternoon, and get ready for tomorrow. Yeah, uh, we'll see how it goes, and uh, the Pirates will progress to uh, shells, as they say, which are shoulder pads, uh, for the first time Friday uh, for a uh, full-gear workout Tuesday. Of course, that's all uh, NCAA rules. We'll hear more from Coach Houston coming up. Uh, we have on our YouTube page, you can get there via our social media, uh, on Twitter at 943thegame or on X uh, or uh, Facebook. Follow us there, 94 94- Point three, the game. You can uh, go to those pages, and uh, we've linked uh, the full uh, YouTube video of the press conference uh, from today. Some other uh, news and notes from around Pirate Nation, uh, and uh, we'll get to some of that in our Pirate Report next. A couple of other things I wanted to make mention of before we uh, get uh, cranked up here and get to a Pirate Report. So we're going to do in fairly short order because we've got a Kind of a lot of cuts to uh, to get through. We've also got Brian Mall on the program uh, tomorrow. 
The uh, center of the golf world will be Greensboro, North Carolina, for the next four days, as it'll be the Wyndham Open, the old Green, Greater Greensboro Open, the old GGO. And it is the final regular season event before the uh, PGA Tour playoff. And uh, there are a lot of, there's some major winners that are on the outside looking in right now because they're not letting in the same amount that they have in years past. It'll be 70. It was four years ago today we did the show from uh, Sedgefield Country Club in Greensboro. Uh, Mold joined me uh, up there for that. Also talked to Harold Varner and uh, John McGinnis, uh, who, uh, of course, PGA Tour broadcaster and uh, ECU golf alum. So we uh, we had a great show that day, and uh, we've uh, we've been talking about going back, but it's just never really worked out. We've had the pandemic since then, and uh, some other things that have come up. I think next year uh, we'll we'll definitely try to be posted up at the U.S. Open uh, during that event coming up uh, in uh, Pinehurst. All right, uh, announced today by NBC Sports. It's college football commentary team set to cover Big Ten Conference for the upcoming 2023 regular season. It's the first of a new seven-year media deal with uh, CBS Sports and uh, Fox Sports. Sunday Night Football's Mike Tirico will be the the voice of the first exclusive game on Peacock when ECU plays Michigan on September 2nd at 12 noon. He'll uh, be joined for that game by Chris Sims, and uh, Lewis Johnson will be the uh, sideline reporter for uh, that one. But uh, Tarico, Mike Tarico, going to be calling uh, the opener for ECU and uh, Peacock. We will see. Uh, a little bit of uh, news today out of the Atlantic Coast Conference, the ACC. First of all, uh, looking at this, uh, they did their they released their picks yesterday. Drake made the preseason player of the year in the ACC. North Carolina uh, picked third. If you're talking about teams in the state, NC State was actually picked fourth. I'm not going to lie; I was a little surprised at that, a little bit, because there are some questions offensively for the pack. Uh, and then you have uh, Duke picked in a tie for six in the preseason, which should be good enough to get him into a bowl. And then Wake Forest came in ninth. The Demon Deacons will finish higher than that. I can uh, I can guarantee you that. Uh, last night, uh, the Astros had their 16th no-hitter thrown in the history of their franchise. Uh, Framber Valdez, 2-0 uh, shutout victory over the Guardians. And, of course, this happened after they uh, reacquired Justin Verlander from the Mets. Uh, Gavin Williams took the loss. Tough luck for the former ECU ace. He uh, took the loss. He went five strong, allowed a couple of runs, four hits. Usually that's good enough to, to maybe get you the win. He struck out six. He did walk four. Williams now one and three uh, on the season there. Uh, we've got uh, a lot going on on the Patrick Johnson show here for the uh, rest of the week. Jenny Dalton-Hill will be with us tomorrow. We'll be talking some softball uh, with her. She'll be, uh, I mean, one of the great all-time softball players. If you're talking, uh, Jenny, you're talking uh, the Barry Bonds, and not in the bad way, in like the ability and uh, just a great hitter way, uh, a Babe Ruth type of figure in college softball. Uh, and uh, Jenny and I have worked some uh, telecasts together for uh, ACC Network in the past, so I'm looking forward to having uh, Jenny back on the show tomorrow in advance of the event going on. Uh, the Little League Softball World Series, which gets underway Sunday in uh, Greenville. Uh, 
wanted to mention this, too, when I was talking about the ACC. So Florida State is making rumblings today about leaving the ACC. In fact, a uh, member on their board of trustees uh, saying since there doesn't appear there's going to be any kind of resolution anytime soon to the ACC uh, TV deal with ESPN that uh, they should possibly have a plan within the next year to, to have an exit strategy, to get out early. Uh, the president of Florida, Florida State, Richard McCullough, uh, with his threat that FSU might leave the ACC, this is a quote from our guy Brett McMurphy, I think FSU at some point will consider leaving the ACC unless there is a radical change in ACC revenue distribution. Uh, it's You know, there are a dozen more years on the hook on that thing. Uh, and uh, it is interesting that we're getting the push again for, for revenue distribution. The great Ed Miller, who is a sports writer up in the um, Tidewater area, who covers the ACC. I think we've had it on the show a couple times. Since 2017, Florida State's 21-27. and 27. So although they are picked second in the preseason in the ACC and they're a top 25 team in the preseason, it's not like Florida State's been running that league. It's, it's certainly been uh, Clemson. Pretty interesting uh, stuff there, uh, but uh, that's some of the big noise today out of uh, the ACC, and that is uh, will Florida State uh, possibly stick to their word and be leaving in the next year? We shall see. All right, uh, we'll get a break here. We're coming up on 510. Thanks for being with us here today on the Patrick Johnson Show. I've got uh, our pirate report for you. We're going to hear everything Coach Houston had to say following today's first practice of the 2023 season right after this. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Okay, uh, welcome back in. Pirates had their first uh, football practice of the uh, preseason camp today, and uh, we'll hear from Coach Houston now during our Pirate Report. Uh, Coach, with a uh, log of uh, competition or a lot of competition in the reason I can tell Pilkington did the uh, did the list because it's ripe with uh, errors, spelling errors. Uh, spell check, Pilk. Spell check. Uh, a lot of competition in the receiver room. Well, there's going to be a lot of competition. That's the one thing you see. It's you know it's not like there's you know three receivers and then a huge drop off. Uh, you got to figure out who the guy guys are, but you got a lot of guys and you got a lot of guys that can play. Same thing in the secondary. You go, you go have a tremendous amount of competition at all four secondary spots and a tremendous amount of competition on offense at wideout. Uh, it'll, it'll help us. It'll make us better. Okay, uh, more from Coach Houston here. He likes what the back end of the defense uh, is uh, looking like but needs them to play together. Both in the secondary and at the second level linebacker, outside linebacker position, uh, we're longer, we're faster, um, you know, we're, we're very athletic. Uh, now we gotta, we gotta learn how to play together. You know, you gotta get everybody on the same page, get everybody gelling, you know, playing as one unit. Uh, but we certainly have, uh, have added some uh, new dimensions on that side. All right, uh, Pirate Report here today, Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game and the IBX Media app when asked about, uh, this being the first year with all his players. In other words, uh, his staff has recruited all of those players on the roster. This is what Coach Houston answered with. As you look at the roster as a whole, uh, it's, it's the, the depth is very solid. You know, the roster is very solid. 
Um, you know, you don't have the one or two marquee guys that have you know had huge seasons the year before uh, coming back. You know, those guys, you know, they're playing, you know, professionally right now, and that's 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 what we want for our guys. Uh, but as a whole, uh, the roster is very healthy. You have a lot of guys that are competing for playing time. Um, we're big. Uh, we're strong. We're athletic. Uh, now, we've got to figure out who's who and, and put those pieces in the right spots. Uh, but we're very pleased with where the roster is. Uh, Coach Houston talked about who are the leaders of this uh, 2023 edition of the Pirates. You had some leaders that left, but you also have a lot of leaders returning. I mean, that D-line group has been starting for three years. I mean, they're, they've played a lot of snaps. Uh, you know, you got a tight end that's started for three years. You know, he's played a lot of snaps. Uh, you got a running back that was, you know, as good as there was in this conference his freshman year. So you've got a lot of leaders returning, too. So I think that it's just, you know, different guys stepping into different roles. Speaking of that running back, we'll hear about uh, Rajay Harris in just a second. Uh, but first, uh, Coach Houston talking about uh, the quarterback battle uh, for the starting QB, who will replace Holton Aylers. Uh Certainly, I thought we had I thought we had three quarterbacks that functioned at a very high level today. It was good to see Raheem. I told him after the first drive of team, I said, "Well, that certainly didn't look like the spring." You know, now part of it was he had snaps that actually hit him in the hand. Uh, you know, every every snap, so that, that helps him. But I thought he looked very composed, and so now you you feel like you can function uh, with your third quarterback. Um, Alex and Mason look like experienced guys today. Both of them had a solid day. Uh, and then uh, Coach Houston talked about the guys that will be blocking on the quarterback side, uh, and that, of course, is – and we'll, we'll hear a little bit more on the quarterbacks in just a second. But Coach also talked about uh, the offensive line and its depth. A lot of new combinations. Uh, you know, the first group today was you know a lot of guys that have been in the program, and then you got some guys in that second group that are new to the program. Uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of shuffling in that group. Uh, you know, I, I think that we do have the ability this year where we we don't have to sit here and just play five. You know, I think we're going to be able to play eight nine guys up front on offense, uh, and so it's just figuring out who goes where and and getting those guys reps because you're going to have guys that are going to play. You know, a couple of different positions. Uh, you just got to get those guys reps together. And uh, we've got uh, Coach Houston uh, talking about they're not taking it easy on Rajay Harris. He's fully cleared. Uh, he has no restrictions. Uh, the athletic training staff they'll they'll work with him to see if there's you know if there's ever a day where we need to you know take a little bit off of or whatever. But I told him that he, I'm not going to be hesitant with him during preseason camp. You know, he is an experienced back. Uh, by the time we make that trip September 2nd, you know, I want him fully confident and fully ready to go uh, so that he can be Rajay Harris. Yeah, and uh, Rajay has talked about, uh, you know, we'll be mentally kind of getting back into uh, things, but he's ready to go. And uh, Rajay will, uh, I think, will do a fantastic uh, job this season for the uh, Pirates and uh We'll just be getting through camp. Those first uh, days of contact will be uh, probably the thing that uh, he'll have to get over the mental hurdle uh, the most. And uh, Coach Houston talked about uh, Rajay's uh, mental state after the injury. And that's what he and I have talked about. We, we've talked we've talked probably more about that. I mean, I think from the neck down, he's full go. I mean, I think it's just, you know, 
it's been eight months, you know, and the you know, first first day of contact, you know, I told him, I said, you, you're going to need to run somebody over and pop up, and you're going to need to juke somebody, and you're going to get tackled, and then pop up and go play the next play. But that's anybody that's had that injury, you know, they've got to go through that. But he, he will. He'll handle it just fine. He looked very, very good today. Uh, more of our uh, pirate report, more comments from Coach Houston. Uh, all right, now to the quarterbacks. And, again, Mason Garcia, kind of the uh, the leader in the clubhouse, one would think. But uh, Alex Flynn had a good spring. Cut 10 here, and that's uh, Coach Houston on how Flynn has improved in his time with the program. His commitment is the biggest change. And not that he, you know, he was never an underachieving effort guy, but his commitment changed last year. And, uh and you know, his commitment to the weight room, his commitment to taking care of his body, um, I think he's become a lot more confident, a lot more assertive. Uh, and so you know, he has really improved dramatically, you know, probably from you know, last spring, spring a year ago, to right now. And uh, Coach uh, was asked about Mason Garcia and how he looked today specifically. This is uh, a brief clip from coach but this was his answer mason looked as good today as he's looked since he's been here you know he looked like a veteran guy that's ready to play he looks fantastic physically and uh passes the eye test uh, when we saw him i'm sure he does uh out there as well so uh pretty interesting uh there uh not a whole lot uh of things being elaborated on with uh Coach Houston, or from Coach Houston in regards to Mason Garcia, but uh, some positive uh, observations there. All right, a couple more cuts to get to here and uh, some other news and uh, nugget items surrounding the Pirates in our Pirate Report today. Uh, Coach Houston, when asked about not getting preseason hype from the media. I think it just gives you a little bit of a chip on the shoulder deal. So I told the team last night, I said, we've got a bunch of dudes in this room. Just the people outside of this building don't know they're dudes yet. You know, it's our job to make sure that uh, they come through. Okay, and uh, Coach Houston on the schedule moving forward. They get a little bit of time. We're going to eat lunch. And they get a little bit of time this afternoon. And we'll come back in this afternoon for uh, meetings and then dinner. And we'll walk through tonight. Uh, I know it's not really hot, but we try to do our walkthroughs at night to stay out of the heat. But we're in helmets today and tomorrow. We'll be in uh, shells Friday and Saturday. Uh, and then... Uh, Shells on Monday, and there will be full pads, uh, you know, early, early, middle of next week. So it'll get, you know, it'll start getting a little more competitive Friday when you put shoulder pads on, ain't, you know, with this bunch, ain't, it sometimes ain't a whole lot of difference. You know, they ain't going to tackle each other, but they're going to hit each other. So, uh, and the more you get towards that full padded practice and the more competitive situations you put them in, the more it ramps up. And that's the one thing I don't worry about this group is they're going to compete and they're going to, they're going to push each other. So, and that's a good thing. That'll help us. Clark, I might have you go back and uh, play cut one here again uh, because uh, we played it in the opening segment and uh, there's some people that, uh, you know, maybe weren't in their car from uh, work or whatever they were doing as of yet or in there now or, uh, tuned in because uh, it's a transient business, our listenership. We always try to reset things uh, because of that, giving you a little inside baseball there. So, Clark, if you don't mind, cue uh, up uh, cut one, and let's just play that again for the folks here to kind of cap everything because this was uh, coach's, uh, Coach Mike Houston's assessment of the first day of camp. Could ask me about the weather. I told uh, some of the new guys, I said, this is mid-October weather right here. I mean, this is certainly not typical uh 
eastern North Carolina, you know, beginning of preseason camp uh, weather. But uh, so they got they got lucky with that. But you know, exciting day. You know, every year is a new year. Every team's a new team, and uh, you know that certainly you know that certainly uh, applies to this group. And uh, you know, had some had some guys that you you hope. Uh, are going to look a certain way and kind of guys that have been here and you hope they're going to step up and we saw some guys do that today um, saw some new guys they got to learn how we practice and kind of how we work and that's okay that's, that's that's what you expect I mean every place in the country doesn't you know doesn't doesn't do things the same way so uh, they had a lot of enthusiasm of course with uh, with the new rule that they passed last week you had more guys out there today than you've ever had before with 120 instead of the typical 110 so uh, you know, some guys, you know, they'll, they'll get their first reps tomorrow. They're a lot, some, some of the freshmen, they're just kind of, you know, figuring out how we're, how we're functioning today. But uh, overall, very positive first day. We are in helmets, so we all know that's not really real. But uh, a very positive first day, and uh, be good film this afternoon and get ready for tomorrow. All right, uh, so that is it uh, from the audio portion of today's uh, Pirate Report. A uh, couple other uh, things, uh, and we're going to try... Uh, if we don't do it this week, uh, next week to get uh, someone on with the uh, football exhibit that is now on display at Joiner Library, the team will be uh, taking part Sunday in uh, kind of the interactive portions of uh, that. But it's a, a look back at uh, pirate football in this entire history. It's going to be on display till November. Uh, it'll be on the uh, second floor of, floor of Joiner Library, uh, Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, uh, part will be on the uh, third floor of the North Carolina collection of Joiner Library. And, uh, again, these exhibits are going to have uh, interactive QR codes. Uh, so, yeah, this, is, this will have everything that has ever uh, happened in the, uh, in the uh, history of uh, pirate football. Uh, ECU Marshall uh, played that 50th anniversary game in 2020, uh, or were scheduled to play that uh, game in 2020. It was postponed because of COVID. Uh, along with the project, apparently. So, uh, Stephen Igo's got a great article up on it at Hoist the Colors, and uh, we're going to talk with our pal Ronnie Woodward to try to get somebody uh, on to talk about that with us today. I think that'll be uh, a lot of uh, fun. Uh, one other uh, ECU-related, uh, oh, a couple other ECU-related notes. I didn't say one other. There are a couple. Uh, the basketball commit Jordan Vick, who's a four-star recruit for the Pirates, changing his high schools this year. Of course, he's at Southern Nash. He's a star there, but he's going to move on to play his final year at Word of God Christian Academy in Raleigh. He announced that on social media uh, on Monday, or excuse me, on Tuesday. Uh, Word of God plays uh, kind of a higher level of competition regionally, and uh, they play a national schedule. Uh, and as we mentioned, uh, a four-star player is Jordan Vick. So that's uh, kind of interesting uh, that he will uh, be upping his game and uh, as he uh, – plays his final year of high school basketball before he comes uh, to ECU to compete in the American. The uh, WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, they have their big uh, summer event, Summer Slam, this Woo! weekend. And uh, it was announced yesterday that uh, ECU alum Vince McMahon is apparently going to miss uh, significant time. He's on medical leave, as they put it, until further notice following major spinal surgery, major spinal surgery. So uh, there you go, Vincent K., perhaps the richest ECU alum with a uh, net worth of uh, north of $3 billion. I, I think he may be. Um, 
I'm sure somebody's going to text me or something if uh, when I've I've left someone off. But uh, as far as uh, notable ECU alums that made a ton of money, uh, that would be uh, McMahon and Sandy Bullock, obviously, also. Okay. Uh, we're going to grab a break. That's today's Pirate Report. And uh, when we return, uh, we'll shift gears. A preview of uh, the final event of the PGA Tour regular season. It is a huge, uh, huge weekend for many. They're only taking the top 70 this year. Brian Mull covers golf, and uh, he'll run through the Wyndham Championship field at Sedgefield uh, with us from Greensboro. It begins tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk a little golf with Mull on the other side. <laughs> Have you noticed he's in his own little happy hour? We're back to the Patrick Townsend Show on 94.3 The Game. This is a happy hour program. Here's the P-Man. And just like that, we have reached another end to the PGA Tour regular season. Believe it or not, uh, it has been an action-packed year to say the least, and there's still a lot of golf to be played. When we talk golf, which I like to do, uh, it is my guy Brian Mole on the line with us. Uh, he covers golf. He's covered the Masters each of the last few years. Mull is uh, one of the good guys. He's very busy right now with uh, his college basketball uh, preseason work, but uh, has been good enough to break off and give us a few minutes on the uh, Wyndham Championships, the old GGO at Sedgefield in Greensboro. Uh, Brian, good afternoon to you, and uh, as we start things here, uh, we uh, where's the time gone? We're already at the end of the, the PGA Tour regular season, and we have more questions than answers, and I'm just talking about off the course. <laughs> no doubt. Patrick, always a pleasure to hear from you. It seems like just yesterday I was packing for Augusta, and now here we are, four majors in the books, some interesting results there, and... Um, a Ryder Cup on the horizon, but yeah, pressing issue is players trying to get in the top 70 and get into the playoffs. This is the final regular season event. I think the new PGA Tour format of trimming the playoff field to 70 has enhanced the field and the atmosphere around some of these late season events that have kind of struggled to attract good players in the past. Uh, and we have some big names who are in Greensboro trying to Earn their wild card bid, if you will. Horses for courses. Who who do you like going into this uh, weekend? Who's the group of players that you think are going to maybe have a chance to hoist the trophy? For years, this was the Webb Simpson Invitational, where you could pencil him in for top three. But Webb's game has tailed off a little bit. But I think we can learn a lot from that type of golfer uh, as who will have success here at Sedgefield. Uh, this is a golf course that's not long. It's one of the shorter courses on the tour. Uh, you have to make birdies. Um, it's one of the easier, you know, usually one of the ten easiest courses on the tour. It's it's about accuracy off the tee um, and making a lot of putts. You know, uh, the greens are generally some of the best on the circuit. The players rave about them. Sedgefield's in immaculate condition again this year, but the rough is thick, so you have to hit the fairways. And then when you have to convert, the winning score is probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 under. So I'm looking at guys who are not only in form, but guys who kind of fit that mold, who, who play well in the South, who play well at places like Harbortown where the fairway is more important than power. Russell Henley mm-hmm. is a the guy who's had a chance a couple of times here. Uh, 
Siwoo Kim has historically won this championship a few years back. He's played very well here. He's a fairway hitting machine. Uh, JT Poston, yep. who, who finished tied for second last week, is a former winner of the event. Hickory native, Western Carolina alum. Uh, loves uh, this time of the year when the temperatures are rising. His game heats up as well. And uh, Sung J.M. has not had a, a year to his standards, but certainly is another player that kind of would be on my short list. Um, but generally, when you're trying to put together a fantasy roster, you know, maybe put a dollar or two down on somebody this week, you're looking for guys that are they're just steady eddies, uh, fairway finders who can make some pots on Bermuda Green. You know, uh, it seems like Cam Davis, anytime you got a Ross or a die course, uh, he's a guy that performs well, so I want to roll that name out to you. Uh, Definitely. Den- yeah, Denny McCarthy, I know, has been, uh, according to odds makers, but Hideki Matsuyama, and he's been quietly consistent this season. Absolutely. Yeah, he, he has. He, um, he, he's been dealing with an ongoing neck issue. It's almost a chronic deal. I know he's been back to Japan to see doctors and uh, just sought out treatment for it. And um, what it's done is um, it, it's it's reduced his power a little bit off the tee. He's just not been able to, to take quite as big of a rip at it, but he's hit a lot more fairways. It's kind of the positive uh, effect of that. And, uh, look, his ball striking can be just otherworldly at times, uh, and, you know, it's all about the putter for Hideki. This is a week where you, you're going – you can't just win it with your ball striking. You're going to have to hold pots in that 8 to 12 to 15-foot range, and um, that's just something that uh, he is not he's, – he's probably, you know, statistically one of the 20 worst putters in this field. So yeah, he's yeah. going he, – he has to have a, a, a surge week, a spike week with the putter, but uh, nobody would be surprised if Hideki's holding the – holding the trophy, and uh, what a fine champion he would be. Yeah, former Masters champ, too. We're talking to the great Brian Mull, golf writer at BG Mull on Twitter. Uh, We talk golf with him whenever we do on the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, It's always fun to do that. Top 70 get in. There's some big names that uh, are outside right now looking in. Uh, Justin Thomas is one of them. Shane Lowry. Who else? Adam Scott. Three major champions right there within 10 Spots. I think Adam Scott has – he and Kuchar, I believe, are the only two players who have played in every FedEx Cup playoff. So he has that streak on the line. Uh, Kuchar's in a little better shape at 59th, so he should be able to extend his streak. But, uh, you know, um, certainly those are the three uh, that will be getting a lot of the attention this week. Uh, Justin Thomas would ordinarily not be in Greensboro, but he's doing everything he can to not only – qualify for the FedEx Cup playoffs, mm-hmm. but he wants to make the Ryder Cup team, and let's be honest, his uh, performance in 2023 is not worthy of selection. He's not going to earn his way in on points. Zach Johnson and, and certainly his buddies that are going to be on the team, Spieth and Fowler, will want him there. Uh, his, you know, He's a proven guy. You want veterans when you win the Ryder Cup's played in Europe. And But he's got to show something. So this is a huge week for him to get into the top 70 and then hopefully have some good performances in the playoffs, which will give Zach Johnson enough confidence to put him on that team. We're talking uh, the Wyndham Championship with Brian Mall. This is pretty good. I mean, I'm looking at the names in the field, and, and, you know, to the casual golf fan, there's a couple. I mean, JT's known on some level. Uh, but, I mean, you got Sam Burns. you got a lot of guys that, that can go this weekend playing in, in Greensboro. 
Yeah, no doubt. Um, it, it, uh, it's, it's a course to me that, um, kind of bunches the field. You don't see a lot of separation. We have a six man playoff here a couple of years ago right, with a right. couple of other guys who were, who were one shot out. I mean, it's just, um, if you're driving the ball well, you know, you're going to have a lot of opportunities with your mid irons. So there's only two par fives on the golf course. Both present an eagle opportunity with, with a good tee shot. And, um, so you, you just, you, the par threes are difficult. You kind of just have to manage your way through, through a couple of those. And, and, and generally it leads to an exciting finish, um, down the stretch, uh, where I think there's a large pool of guys who could, Contend and play well. Um, you know, there'll always be some surprises, but, but, you know, this is a, it's not a, a putting contest exclusively. Right. But it is, but it is a course where you're going to have to hold some putts and, um, you know, it should be, uh, should be a great week. It looks like the weather's going to be pretty good up there. I'm, I'm sure there'll be a thunderstorm at some point, but, um, it, it, uh, talking to a couple of people who've been up there this week, they said the course is just, uh, you know, as expected. Perfect. Yeah, it gets underway tomorrow at Sedgefield. Uh, let's go back to J.T. Poston and last week in Minneapolis. Uh, he's taken some criticism, taken a few uh, arrows for uh, the play at the end on, on the 18th in the final round. He was trying to – well, I'll let you – because you had a really good take on this. So, you know, Poston was getting criticized, as you've already noted. He's a guy that you got to feel really good about this week, the way he's playing. And, look, take your hat off to Lee Hodges. He played excellent the entire weekend. But Poston played really, really well, too. And in a normal situation, Poston may have been a guy that would have won that tournament. Yeah, Poston played terrific. And, uh, you know, he did what he could to to put some heat on Hodges. But Hodges just kept delivering. It's beautiful shots. And so, you know, they come to that 72nd hole of the golf tournament. It's a par five with water down the right and in play on the second shot. And, Poston's three shots back, and you know he's got a, a he, he doesn't hit the best drive. He's got a, a, a difficult lie with a four iron to go for it, or he could lay up. Hodges is already laid up. JT Poston wanted to try to force a playoff, wanted to put some pressure on Lee Hodges, and he attempted the very low percentage shot of hitting the four iron out of the rough, and, and almost pulled it off. It was on a terrific line, and it caught one of the rocks fronting the green and bounced back into the hazard. He ended up making triple bogey, but um, was he going to win the golf tournament even if he pulled off? Like I said, unlikely, but J.T. Poston, I respect him. I admire him for knowing that he's in that position. He only gets so many opportunities to win on the PGA Tour. He's a guy who's very confident with where his game is right now, and he was not thinking about laying up, Earning more FedEx points, assuring himself a spot in the in the top 50, which advanced to the second week of the playoffs. Look, he's 49th. He's been on a great run for the last month or so. He's going to a golf course where he played 72 holes without a bogey and won in 2019 for his first tour win. Um, I, I thought it was great. I, I think uh, you know we knock these guys sometimes for being kind of conservative from vanilla. And while the analytics are great, there are times as a competitor when uh, you're out there to win. And J.T. Poston has said that throughout his career. Like, he, he's out there to try to win golf tournaments. He doesn't care about finishing 25th. I mean, it pays well, and you need some of those. But um, you're talking about a guy that's made $14 million in the last uh, five or six years. 
and, and on the pro tour, he's made two and a half million this year. And, uh, hats off to him. I was, I was, uh, I gained a lot of respect. I always had a lot of respect for his game and uh, gained a lot of respect for him. Yeah, it's crazy. I, you know, I guess the idea was we had a chance to finish solo second. and But, I mean, these guys are alphas. They're naturally <laughs> competitors in an individual sport. And what do you expect? So uh, I, I thought your take on that was a lot better than uh, some of the uh, broadcast take and certainly better than some of the Twitter or X, whatever the hell it is now, take. Uh, Brian Mull, speaking of Twitter, at BG Mull there. Uh, Brian, I want to ask you about uh, Tiger Woods, now the player director for the PGA's policy board. Uh, give us the goods on this and why is it significant? Well, look, the most respected person in professional golf among the players is still Tiger Woods. And most of these guys that are that are starring and playing now, they grew up idolizing him. They they relish any opportunity they get to pick his brain about golf and they respect his opinion on the way the game should look in the professional golf and they know that he has their best interests. And I think with the with the uh the uncertainty around Jay Monahan, with the with the distrust among the uh, many of the players, many of whom have spoken about that in the last few weeks. I think it was important to, to bring him on, um, not only as a liaison between the current players, but uh, just someone who, who can make sound decisions, who's seen it, and uh, they trust can do the best for the tour going forward. I think it's a great role for Tiger at this point in his life. I mean, it's obvious that uh, his, his health is just not going to allow him to compete at any level, really, if at all, um, maybe other than a few ceremonial appearances at Augusta and uh, one or other two other places, but um, this uh, this seems like a good move. Um, it's natural. It's obvious. I think everybody understood that Tiger was was influential behind the scenes. Now he comes out to the forefront a little bit more, and good for him to take on this responsibility at this point in his career. He is someone who who obviously cared a lot about his own career, but about the game in general. And um, this, uh, you know, he's someone that. Uh, like I said, everyone respects him, even those even people who may not like him. I think respect his opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brian Mole with us. Uh, I know we started talking about potential guys, but if you had to, you know, give us a pick to click, who do you think uh, emerges out of Greensboro? I like McCarthy and Poston the best of, of the guys at the top, and then I'll, I'll give you a longer shot who, who's been playing well and, and really fits and can get as hot with the, maybe the best putter over the last five or six years on tour. Brendan Todd, uh, Raleigh yep. native, yep. Uh, University of Georgia grad, finished second at the John Deere uh, about a month ago. And this is just um, the type of place where you could see him uh, just fairwaying it to death. He's always among the leaders on tour and hitting fairways. And if his iron game's cooperating, he'll, he'll make uh, his share of putts. So, uh, yeah, I, I like I like this that, that kind of player, those guys. Um I will say that, uh, you know, Siwu and Sungjae and guys like that have played well here uh, historically as well, but that's going to come at a little bigger price. Yeah, I understand. Hey, Brian, uh, as far as Shane Lowry, Justin Thomas, and Adam Scott, uh, out of those three, do none get in? Does one get in? Does two get in? Do all three get in? I have a funny feeling that Justin Thomas finds a way. 
Um, I, I don't know why. There's nothing I've seen from his performance. But when I look kind of granularly at his stats, it's the driver. Uh, as much as, the you know, everybody focuses on the putter's been bad, but it's the driver that's really hurting. Well, this is a golf course where you don't necessarily have to hit your driver off the tee but two or three times around if you don't want to. Uh, Sergio Garcia won this tournament uh, five or six years ago hitting five wood off pretty much every day. I, I walked with him, and he, he never even reached for his driver. So uh, Justin Thomas is still a fine iron player, and maybe he can find something with the putter. Um and, uh, you know, he's a guy who's capable of shooting a 62 or 63. And he, he seems pretty confident from his press conferences. So I think, I think JT digs deep and at least threatens, uh, that top seven. Always good to catch up with Brian Mull. Uh, Mully, thank you, my friend. And, uh, we will, uh, look forward to talking to you again really soon. Okay. Everybody have a great weekend and, uh, stay cool. All right. Brian Mull with us as we talk the Wyndham Championship. And you are tuned. To 94.3 The Game and the IBX Media Apps, Patrick Johnson Show. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Yeah, we are here. Thanks for being with us as uh, we're wrapping up things today. Clark Willis, the producer, P-Man here with you. A uh, couple of uh, notes. Uh, I think uh, I think AI is taking over everything. And uh, federal law enforcement agents, uh, you can fade it, Clark. You don't have to take it out. <laughs> That's on me. Show me, those, show me those DJ skills with the fade out here. You can't you just... far. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's a, yeah. Uh, all right, federal law enforcement agents served Vince McMahon with a subpoena last month as a part of a grand jury investigation. Uh, that was also disclosed. So, oh, okay, there's that. And he's had some major spine surgery, and he's old. Uh, a couple things for Brett McMurphy. Uh, I mentioned those FSU trustees, one saying uh, that a solution under the current TV deal, very unlikely. The alternative to us for staying in this conference for the next 13 years is death by a thousand cuts. Uh, this trustee, Justin Roth, said FSU needs to have an exit plan in the next 12 months. Uh, also, another trustee at FSU, Drew Weatherford. It's not a matter of if we leave, but how and when we leave, talking about the ACC. Who would want FSU? That's the big question there. Who would take on Florida State? If the Pac-12 are doing something as crazy as accepting applications from a Florida school as they did in the case of USF, I would think you would want to make a hell of a play to try to get Florida State in. I just don't know if that would even be much better of a destination. So, Clark, let me ask you something uh, here. I was looking at uh, a couple things before the show, and it uh, you know you ever come across these things on Facebook? They I think they're spammy. Where they've, somebody puts in a uh, a colorful post, you know, just anything. And this was about a, a like a celebrity encounter you had where you just ran into the celebrity. Hmm. And so I, I got to thinking about this. You have one actually from this past weekend. But I, uh, yeah. But I've, I'm thinking about it. Anytime I've been around a celebrity, yeah, uh, it has been, um, you know, backstage or. You know, a, a 
meet an interview or something where they're promoting something. Sure. So it's never been just kind of a random run-in yeah, situation that I can think of. Yeah. The, the only one I can remember, I was up in Raleigh a few years ago and getting my car done uh, at a car dealership. Uh, I think I, it was still under the, you know, we'll, we'll change the oil for free type of thing. And uh, Chuck the Chest was walking around. Oh, this nice. was this was this Chuck uh, Amato from NC State, but I, this was like modern day Chuck Amato, so he wasn't quite as chesty. Uh, so give us, <laughs> can I say that? Can I say that on here? So tell me, tell me real quick your uh, tell the Fatone one. I think that's a pretty good. Uh, yeah, that was run-in. pretty cool because that was kind of a run in at the hotel uh, at the Marriott down in Raleigh. Getting ready for the convention. You're at GalaxyCon. Yeah, 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 GalaxyCon. And I didn't even know. I was waiting on somebody else at the Marriott as this guy comes in. He's got these really flashy Nike shoes that I've never talked to another man about his pair of shoes before. <laughs> so, well, I've never called one chesty, so breaking new ground today. <laughs> With shoes. Um, so I, as he walks into the hotel, I, I just go, hey, man, I'm digging those shoes because they're actually Superman uh, shoes, a Nike version. And uh, later on when I saw him inside, I told him, dude, I go, when I first saw you, I thought you were just a regular Joe. <laughs> and I was like, now I feel weird because we were talking about your shoes. <laughs> So, right, but a great well, guy, great guy, super, just super. That's kind of a random celebrity run into. I mean, I'm sure you've had others, but I sure. mean, but you're probably like me. It's in the context of working is when you've really come across yeah. celebrities. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. feels that way too. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. Between yeah. the movies you've been in and, and radio and, and right. all that, that's kind of what it is. So yes. that's I, a pretty good random run in, though. I, I, I'll have to think on this. Some I really can't think of. Anytime I just randomly came across I a I do have celebrity. a short one. This is the truth. It was a couple of years ago yeah. for GalaxyCon. So uh, Dave Batista was there. He was in Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy as Drax. And uh, so his line was through the roof. We couldn't get to him in any way. We go to the Marriott Hotel because we have a room there. And uh, we're in the elevator with a bunch of uh, people dressed up. And I was like, man, if I, you know what would be awesome? If the elevator doors opened up and uh, Dave Batista walked in. I kid you not, I have it on tape. You hear ding and it opened up and you hear the crowd go, oh, like I called it. All you have to do is ask these days, and now shall you manifested it. I did. You manifested it. Is what happened? Like, wow! They even got it on tape. So, because I was recording the costumes that they had in the elevator. So they ah, were, so that was a run-in. See, I, I'm I I hate elevators that are crowded. I, I've I've when I was in Orlando working, I got a phobia because when you go to the courthouse, they pack you to cover things. I didn't go to the courthouse to be a defendant. I wasn't on trial. But when you go to cover things, they pack you in these huge elevators. <laughs> and there were a lot of people who smelled. Oh, I'm sure. That were in the elevator. Oh, it was terrible. And I, I can smell that now, and it nauseates me. Jeez. All right, thanks to thanks to Brian Mall. Great job by Philip the Ref Pilkington and Clark Willis for getting uh, coach on today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. All the news and notes you need to know around uh, Pirate Nation and more. And uh, Jenny Dalton Hill will be with us. See you in the morning on Talk of the Town, Talk 103.7. And 96.3, also the IBX Media app, and then back here tomorrow afternoon for another edition of the Patrick Johnson Show.